Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. I think it would be better illustrated if we had video of it. It just sounds stupid. <laughs> yeah. We like to look for perfect moments in our life because things get so noisy and we're just cluttered up with crap mm. that it's often easy to overlook the special, memorable, precious moments. And we just experienced uh, one with our puppy last night. Somebody not long ago had messaged us and asked what we do on our downtime, like when we're not doing box of oddity stuff. And I think this is a great example of like what we do. Last night, we spent 20 minutes watching our puppy Willie bark at a cucumber slice. Well, to be fair, it was sli- it was two slices, uh-huh. and they were floating in his water bowl. <laughs> and so that made it very uh, treacherous. <laughs> it was very dangerous. Uh-huh. He was very concerned about the situation. So he barked at it, and we just kept telling each other to look at it. Look at it. A good length of time. And we should have videotaped it. Uh, we did not. Because we didn't want to break the magical spell <laughs> by standing up and getting our phone. We do, however, have a video of uh, Willie playing with a yo-yo. And Willie barking at a bracelet. So, I mean, I'll definitely share one or both of those. <laughs> Willie does weird things. <laughs> It's the perfect explanation of, like, what do we do while we watch the dog bark at cucumbers? Also, this is exciting news. We uh, we actually booked a show, our first show of 2020. Woot! Yeah. Woot! Do we want to say what it is, or do we want to, like, n- not mention it right away? Well, I think you've already passed by the Damn not it. mentioning it part. Damn it. So, but, and I'm very excited about this. This is my favorite city. I'm super jazzed, and I, I can't wait to... I just, yay. Yeah. In January, we're going to be doing a show. First show of the year will be at DC Comedy Loft in Washington, DC. Yay. So we're excited about that and be watching for more details as we get them on uh, our website, theboxofoddities.com. 
which is a place to go for everything from our merch to our live show tickets to uh, actually even subscribing to the uh, Box of Oddities premium channel, The Order of Freaks. Oh, the premium channel's where it's at. You get a bunch of bonus stuff. And you can find all the information, theboxofoddities.com. Okay, here we go. I'm going to talk about uh, some weird shit. I am too. Oh, no. I I hope our weird shit doesn't overlap. (laughs) Sometimes it does. Many, many episodes ago, I did a a deep dive on Waverly Sanatorium right outside of uh, Lexington, Kentucky, which was a former... The tuberculosis hospital. Tuberculosis hospital. It was also a little bit later mental health facility, Mm -hmm. uh, nursing home. It uh, it saw its share of disaster and horror over the years. And many people say that uh, it is haunted. Mm. Um, Me being one of them, although I've never been there. Now, many people think that abandoned mental hospitals uh, really could end up being straight out of like American Horror Story and like Waverly. And, and some are, but there are actually situations that are still happening today in psych wards that uh, I would say are just as horrifying. Really? Yes. Maybe not quite the level of abuse that you hear about mm-hmm. from, from some of these like Victorian era asylums, but some pretty scary shit. Came across a subreddit. People discussing their experiences as employees at psych wards, either employees themselves or family members that worked there firsthand accounts of horrifying things oh wow that happened at uh psych wards what's the most horrific scene you've ever seen or heard this makes me so nervous well imagine being this lady her daughter was telling this story she worked at a neuropsych ward uh, while she was in grad school And she was making her routine rounds, you know, room checks at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. make sure everybody is in their in their right room and getting set to settle down. And she walked in on something that you would think that was right out of American Horror Story. Normally, all the patients bedroom doors are closed in the evening after lights out. Mm -hmm. So this woman turned around the corner and noticed that one of the doors was open. And she saw a staff member's legs on the floor halfway out the door. So picture that. She's looking down the hallway. That doesn't sound good at all. All the doors are closed except for this one door. And all she can see coming out of the door are one of the uh, co-workers' legs. Maybe they were doing yoga? That's a wonderful thought. I don't even know if I would have the guts to look in the room. But of course you would. The woman uh, looked at, she, she slowly walked up and looked in the door and she saw the patient who was a woman who had severe postpartum psychiatric disorder. Mm-hmm. And she was sitting cross-legged on the floor with one of her eyeballs in each of her hands. She had gouged her eyes out with her fingers and was sitting cross-legged on the floor showing no emotion with an eyeball in each palm of her hand. Oh. A staff member had uh, had come across this just before this woman did and passed out. And that's why oh. she saw the leg sticking out of the door. The woman so she did, hadn't injured that, no. that staff member. It was okay. Yeah, okay. no, she just walked in on a woman with eyeballs in her hands and blood streaming down her face, showing no emotion, just staring like she's in sort of a lotus position on the floor of the, uh, of the room. That would, that would make me feel a bit queasy. Yeah, well, paper cuts, you know. Yeah, I get, yeah, that's <laughs> true. I get 
woozy thinking about paper cuts. <laughs> Ooh, that's rough. In another situation, there was a young lady. Oh, just moving right along from the eyeballs. Was she okay? What happened? <laughs> well, she lost her eyes. Sure. Yeah. Sure. No, she, um, there, there's no follow up on that story. I, I don't know what happened to her. That's terrible. You had to have known that I wanted the follow up. <laughs> okay. You want me to make something up? Okay. <laughs> so what happened was for cat's purposes is the original person who came in and saw him passed out, uh, came to, uh, reached over, took the eyeballs, popped them back in the uh, patient's head, mm-hmm. but by mistake, put them in an upside down. And so the woman had to learn to walk on her hands in order to get around. I don't think that's how that works. On another occasion, this was a different hospital. There was a young lady in their custody. This according to one of the nurses on her ward. Uh, She said, we'll just call this woman Jane. Uh, Jane's first night at the facility, the staff was performing their bed check, which apparently is the time when all the weird shit happens. I guess so. And uh, they found Jane in a puddle of blood It turns out that uh, she had sharpened her fingernails and was slicing the skin on her shin with her nails and then pulling the skin up her leg, essentially just degloving her calf. In addition to that, every night she had this very strange ritual that she would do. Obviously, they got her medical attention for the uh, degloved calf. I know you're going to ask me what happened. Yeah, okay. Okay. Thank you. So they took her, they got her fixed up. She goes back to her room and she starts performing this weird ritual every single night. While in her room, she would walk to every wall and touch them with a crucifix pattern. And she would do this for hours. She would then sit on the floor or the bed and then fall asleep sitting up. One night, Jane, was, she seemed extremely agitated, very almost frantic, almost panicked. And mm. she kept doing this ritual over and over and over again. And then late in the evening, one of the staff workers heard Jane screaming. So she ran to Jane's room to check on her. Jane was standing in the doorway, smiling. The staff said, what's going on, Jane? What's the problem? And Jane looked at her and said, what makes you think you're speaking to Jane? I would put my shoes on and leave, I think, at that point. (laughs) And then there was this little boy that was at a psych ward. He was there for quite some time. And uh, the story is being told by a pharmacy technician at the hospital. She would have to go around with the cart, you know, with the meds on Mm -hmm. it and dispense the patient's meds. And uh, this particular lady was relatively short, her description, not mine. She was five foot two. So she had a security guard or a male nurse that would accompany her while she made her rounds dispensing medications at the uh, at the end of the day. She said she never really had any issues, except once in a while, she'd be handing the meds through the slot in the door and somebody would grab her arm sure, or occasionally a manic outburst. But there was one little boy that was there. And this little boy was just, he was entirely different from... Most of the other patients, his chart said that uh, he was nine, nine years old. His skin was very pale. His hair was dark. He had these big, huge, beautiful, bright green eyes. And she said he always greeted me in the most respectful and, and polite way. He would always ask how I was doing. He always found something about me that would uh, that he would compliment mm-hmm. little things. He was far more mature 
or he acted far more mature than his age. Mm -hmm. He was extremely well-spoken. So the pharmacy tech started looking forward to, to visiting him because, you know, it was kind of a bright spot. Sure. She was being manipulated. That's fine. If he saw her outside the room, she said, maybe in the halls, he always made sure to say hello. He always called me, quote, Miss Jones or ma'am. So one day, a couple of our female nurses saw me pause to chat with him in the hallway. This according to her account. And they waved me over frantically and asked me if I was out of my mind. Apparently, when this kid was in kindergarten, he grew an intense attachment to his young female teacher. Now, this escalated to the point of him calling her mom and leaving notes for her about how he wished that he was her son. Um, He had a a normal, healthy home life. Both parents were great. Uh, The teacher tried to explain to him that she couldn't be his mom because that would hurt his real mother's feelings and that she already had that job covered. So the little boy went home and killed his mother in her sleep by slitting her throat so his teacher could be his mom. So the female staff had a general rule of not interacting with this little boy. Right. uh, Yeah. I think that's a good rule. This story is really disturbing and sad. So just, you know. Most of these have been. Yeah. This one person was working in a mental health ward around Christmas time. Are you sure it wasn't seaplane time? Here on the island, it's always seaplane time. (laughs) Is he landing that in front of our house again? (laughs) Oh, God, he's not circling the house again, is he? I think so. Yep, he's coming back around again. Ah, summer's in Maine. Okay, where was I? Um, Okay, it was around Christmas time. Here's a woman who was volunteering at a hospital. She was sitting with patients who had a history of harming themselves, and she was just waiting for the doctor or the nurse to show up. She was sitting with this one guy. He was probably in his mid-30s, and he thought he was living in a Stephen King novel. Which one, though? Because that can really... (laughs) Yeah. That can vary a lot. At first, he thought that I was a psychologist because I was holding a clipboard and talking to him. So he would tell me things tell me about all of his thoughts, and then would ask my opinion. I didn't want to upset him or make him snap, so I went along with nodding, and when he'd ask my opinion, I would turn the question back and ask him what he thought. This went on until about the last hour of my shift when he looked at me and he said, you know, you can be the next Messiah. Come here and let me teach you. He patted the bed beside him. I politely declined to sit near him. He then went silent for a moment and said, I see. With that, he started taking off his oxygen mask, his heart monitor. He uh, unplugged his IV. I asked him what he was doing, why he was doing these things. And he looked at me and he said, I can go now. My task is complete. You will not comply with my training. And now I can die in peace knowing that I tried. Oh. She said it was really hard to go back in his room the next day. I bet. (laughs) It's like someone who storms out of an office and is all like, I'm never coming back here. And then they show up for work the next day and you're like, hey, hey, Bill. Bill, remember what you said? That's fine. We all need health insurance. I get it. Now, this guy says he worked at a hospital for uh, um, a long time, and he had this one long conversation with a guy who was delusional. He was confined to the mental health facility, and he said this guy was the smartest guy 
I have ever met. Lots of these folks believe that somebody often like a government agency like the CIA is beaming thoughts into their heads or has an implanted microchip in their brains for this purpose. This guy was offering a very thoughtful argument as to why such claims should not be quickly dismissed. He said this guy spoke like he was a, you know, a genius. Mm -hmm. He said, it's precisely because such delusions are so common that mental patients make the best test subjects, he said. There he was confined and protected, constantly observed, his health and behavior documented. There is zero chance that anybody would ever take his concerns seriously. How else would you test and improve such technology? Does the government not have a strong motivation and a plausible ability to create such a device? You can see I'm not irrational. I'm just straight up telling you that they are doing this to me. I know just how unbelievable it sounds, and yet here I am. That would make me second-guess things a little oh, bit. Oh, for sure. And finally, a nursing assistant uh, working at a mental health facility said, uh, I once saw a woman who had spent part of her residency at a psychiatric hospital for people with severe mental conditions. Now, apparently the grounds had a very lovely enclosed greenhouse. And one day, one of the patients was sitting on a bench just smoking a cigarette inside this greenhouse while a heron frantically flew around inside the greenhouse. It got trapped in there somehow. It found its way in and wasn't able to escape, and it was smashing into the large panes of glass. And mm. The man just sat there smoking a cigarette, calmly watching it. Finally, my counselor asked him if the bird was bothering, bothering him, and he kind of sighed and said, oh, thank God, I, I thought I was the only one seeing that. Can you imagine oh, yeah. how horrific that would be? Yeah, that's terrible. So even though you don't get the dark, gothic, or Victorian asylum abuse stories like, you know, you used to, you still hear some pretty horrific things that, uh, that happen in these psych wards. Absolutely. I think one of the things that is uh, an issue with mental illness in general is so often people don't want to look at it. And so if you still ignore it, then... Yeah, or just tuck it away where you don't have to see it. Yeah, which is just makes an opportunity for things to go wrong. I have so much respect for people who work within this industry mm. because I don't think I could do it. As, as much as my heart goes out to these patients and I would love to help them any way I can, I don't think I have the makeup to handle some of this stuff. Yeah, certainly not when it comes to anything that would draw blood. No, I'm afraid I'd run into somebody with a paper cut on the psych ward. And right. That'd be it for me. Yep. They'd see It'd my- just be a nurse working in the office and you'd be like, oh, I got to go. <laughs> uh -huh. They'd see my feet sticking out of a patient's door right. where I passed out from <laughs> looking at my hangnail. And now it's time for That Thing in the Middle. Today's Thing in the Middle... We bring you five of the weirdest subreddits ever. Number five, a subreddit for people who want to Photoshop arms onto birds. <laughs> it's the number one location on the internet for people who want to combine their love of birds, muscular arms, and Photoshop. Number four, a subreddit for people who are immortal transdimensional beings. You can join by going to r slash fifth world problems. Number three, a subreddit for people who think birds are fighting a war against humans. <laughs> Number two, a subreddit for people who enjoy watching Slavs squat. I'm sorry, 
Slavs? Slavs. Oh, Slav, like, like, like Slavians? Like people from Slavic nations. Uh, for some reason, there are 46,000 people on Reddit who enjoy nothing more than posting and looking at images of Slavic people squatting. And number one, a subreddit for people who want to remix the Thomas the Tank Engine theme song with hip-hop. I am so in. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our Aura Frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away, and my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the Aura Frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life... Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout and you will save thanks aura frames for bringing my family a little bit closer the box of oddities at a frequency so high only your dog can understand got this email from josh hey cat and jethro on your recent episode of boo you were talking about irrational fears and i have a great one for you 
I legitimately am terrified that one day I will be swallowed by a blue whale and sliced into bits by its baleen. I have a recurring nightmare that this happens. And my wife assures me. That's not how that works. Yeah. Well, his wife's done a good job comforting him. He said, she assures me that Baleen is soft and is only used as a filter. <laughs> but I just know she sits on a throne of lies. <laughs> Love you guys and the podcast. Can't wait to meet you in Nashville in October. Thanks, Josh. Oh, gosh. I I can't believe how quickly those live shows are coming up. And I'm so excited. Um, I can't, I just can't wait to get back to Nashville and uh, have some of those noodles <laughs> and all the other stuff that's going to happen too. What? you got for me what what you what what you what you got for me what 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 you got for me oh okay Mm. i see what you're getting at i was thinking perhaps that you would have something for me i got it (laughs) okay Uh (laughs) i see okay all right so um we talked a while ago about the uh Humanzies, the yeah. the chimp and human hybrids. You you told us about this theory that that they had been made, and uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. And then when I came across this story this week, it uh, kind of tied in with that, and I thought, well, this this should be fun um, slash terrifying. So it's a historic first for Japan. Its government science ministry has granted scientists permission to move forward with research designed to create animal-human hybrids. When, when did this happen? The, earlier this month. Oh, my God. We're living in the end days. We're, yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Because you know that whole human Z uh, story about the... Uh the Nazi doctor who uh, did the experiments on them, and they, and then the, the Russian, some Russian guys got a hold of it and started mm. doing research in Siberia, and and then it just kind of disappeared. My my theory is that they they're real, they survived, and they migrated across the Bering Strait into the Pacific Northwest, mm-hmm. and that's what we think of as Sasquatch. Right, we did discuss that during oh, we the did? episode oh. uh, that about the oh, humanities. Good, then I'm not and the only one. This what no, that you are. That's exactly. Um this is different though because it's mostly mice. Mice. Yeah. Humans and mice. Yeah. So according to nature, uh Japanese stem cell scientist Hiromitsu Nakuchi, who leads multiple teams of researchers at the University of Tokyo and Stanford, plans to place human cells inside mouse and rat embryos in order to transplant them into surrogates. Now, the idea is to develop animal-human hybrids with organs that can be transplanted into humans. So it's just more or less the organ that they're looking for that they can transplant and it won't be rejected by right human white blood cells. Yes. Okay, gotcha. Once inside the embryos, the human cells called induced pluripotent stem, which is IPS, uh, they may grow into specific organs. And if it all goes well, uh, the researchers plan to grow human organs in other animals, such as pigs. They're not creating hybrid creatures. No, no, so, they're not like making a, mouse people. Right. Because I'm thinking like Mickey Mouse. You know, we just got back from Disney. Right, of course. And I would hate 
to, you know, hello, folks. Oh, don't take my liver. Oh, like right. That, that would be very upsetting. I wouldn't want to do that to Mickey. Yeah. <laughs> M-I-C. See you real soon in the operating room. K-E-Y. Why are you doing this to me? M-O-Y-O-U-C-H. Oh, I can't wait to go back to Disney. Most of this information, by the way, comes from uh, Live Science, allthatsinteresting.com, and nature.com. Theoretically, the objective of these, you know, very controversial experiments is to produce enough human organs to aid those people who are now on waiting lists for organ donations. In March, Japan reversed a ban on growing human cells in animal embryos beyond day 14. So they've been able to research up to day 14, but at that point, the, the, whatever it is, the embryo has to be destroyed. Who made that rule and why 14 days? Um, I imagine it's got something to do with that stage in the growth. I'm not sure. So anyway, it's been reversed. And the reversal was a big deal for this stem cell biologist because he's been pursuing this line of research for more than a decade and uh, pending the approval by the Japanese Ministry of Education, Culture, Sports, Science and Technology, which is a very broad (laughs) ministry, I have to say. Education, Culture, Sports, Science and Technology. We're crossbreeding humans and mice, and we've developed a more efficient game of racquetball. I was going to say racquetball. Were you? Yes. So under the updated guidelines, uh, researchers are allowed to now create that animal-human embryo to transplant into a surrogate animal and grow to full term. This scientist's project is the first to be approved under the new rules. So he said that they don't expect to create human organs immediately, but it does allow them to advance the research based on what they know how to do up to this point. He was uh, doing an interview with a local newspaper and said, finally, we are in a position to start serious studies in this field after 10 years of preparation. They don't grow them inside the animals, though, do they? I mean, because the that, organs. Yeah. Yes. OK. Well, that, if they're using mice, that would be just a, a, a tiny little liver, just an itty bitty bladder. The human mouse embryo would be transplanted into another animal like a pig that would be large enough to grow that kind of organ. OK. All right. So it's yeah, I follow. OK. Now, some scientists uh, are concerned that if too many human cells creep into the mouse's brain, that the mouse might have some changes in the way its brain functions. Hello, folks. Exactly. This is a real concern. And this is where ethics really comes into messing around with DNA and and embryos. Because we don't know. We don't know. Let's say one of those guys gets away. And then 8,000 years from now, mounts an uprising. This is not really the real concern, but yeah, that's a thing. And comes down from the mountains. Sure. And pretty soon we're you serving. damn dirty apes. <laughs> we're serving our rodent overlords. Right. The concern is that there might be a change in cognition or mental abilities in some way. So if a mouse starts thinking more like a human, does that mean that we owe it more because it's more? 
more human-like than it is a mouse, mm-hmm. which I would ask, why do we inherently, uh, you know, owe Assume, more to, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, but that's me. And I know a lot of people don't feel that way and that, you know, that's, I'm just saying, I think it's gross. Now, one of the things that they have learned during their research is that it's very unlikely that you would get a mouse with human qualities, even if you are blending these these things together. Um, what you might find is that there might be more folding in the mouse's brain, which we know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the the density of folds kind of determines how much how much brain you've got working for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to put it very simply, <laughs> more surface area. Right. Yeah. You know what horrifies me about little exchanges like that that yeah. we just had? Sure. Is that we actually have people who listen to this podcast who have PhDs. Yeah, no. I'm so sorry. We really apologize. Uh, yeah. We're, we're not voices of authority here. Nope. We're not a newscast. Nope. We're two people in our bedroom talking about stuff. <laughs> So, so soon we're going to move to the basement. So yeah, you guys, so the whole level of quality of our podcast will rise up just like our own overlords. So in a previous experiment, IPS cells were put into a fertilized sheep egg and then transplanted into a sheep at Stanford University. So the transplanted human cells didn't transform the embryo into some sort of weird human sheep creature. Um, The number of human cells that grow in the bodies of sheep is actually pretty small, like one in thousands or one in tens of thousands, according to this researcher. And he said, at that level, an animal with a human face would never be born, which I question his wording there, because is the human face really the thing that we need to be worried about? Yes. Yes, it is. I don't know. I mean, we're not even sure where consciousness comes from, right? That's true. So, Or what consciousness is. Right. So there's a certain amount of willy-nilliness that comes with this research that's like, well, we'll see what happens, I guess, and just kill it if it seems too weird. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, their goal is to eliminate organ donation waiting lists, which is really noble and something that that makes a lot of sense. And they're hoping that um, they'll start with pancreas. I, I don't know what makes that the most... Um, well, pancreatic cancer, I think, is certainly considered to be one of the more serious forms of cancer. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why. Maybe because it's harder to detect or so something. But interesting, because I assumed that it had something to do with the ease of growing a pancreas. Like it's, it's maybe that's like, it too. Uh, you know, a, uh, a a white cake rather than a daffodil cake. Sure. You know, I don't know, but maybe it's more like the need for the the organ. Or I don't both. know. Maybe it's a combination. Maybe. Yeah. They've probably talked about it. Okay. Uh, but they also hope to to grow livers and kidneys and, you know. Yeah. So, again, the goals are important goals, I think. I think also when you get into this kind of science, there's a certain amount of let's see what we can do-ness sure. well, to it. There's a lot of that in all areas of scientific sure. experiments. Because if we knew what the outcome was, we wouldn't need to do it. But that being said... Some of the potential ramifications mm. of combining species like this, um, it's horrifying. It, it, it's really horrifying yeah, to I me personally. I can't say I care for it. I like that they want to make it easier for, for patients to get uh, donor organs. Mm. 
but wow. Right. But we've seen like ears being grown on patients. Yeah. On the back of a mouse even. Well, I, that's where I was getting away from was the <clears throat> uh, the rodent thing. Sorry. Anyway, I don't like it. <laughs> it makes me, <laughs> as my mom used to say, that makes me squeamish. Mm, for sure. Although at the same time, I'm oddly fascinated with that idea. Absolutely. Huh. Yeah, I want to know everything. Probably won't be long before they're just growing organs in Petri dishes. Well, yeah, no, we've seen it. It's it's nuts what they can do. So I guess it's just a matter of seeing which branch gets to the most efficient way of organ growth the fastest. I Right? Yep. And it's all based in uh, stem cell research, right? I mean, that's where they're... For the most part, yeah. yeah. It's amazing. I got some stem cells. You need them? You gave a bunch of them away already. Yeah, well. If I recall correctly. I did. Yeah. But I have more. <laughs> okay. I made some. All right. Just recently. Yep. <laughs> Take my stem cells. I'll make more. What we're talking about is, <laughs> for those of you who, who haven't heard this discussion before, Kat uh, donated, uh, what were they called? Oh, uh, peripheral blood stem cells. Right, from, from bone marrow for a cancer patient. And you can do the same by registering. Yeah, go to bethematch.org. Nice segue, by Thanks. the way. I like that. It's a simple process. You just get a little swab, you the swab, and then you send it back and then you're in the registry. There you go. Well, that's just fascinating and uh, can you can you show me where you saw that stuff because I want to read more about it. Absolutely. Awesome. The Box of Oddities. It's this show. That's what we do. You you found it on your phone. Yep. Or did it find your phone? We don't know what reality is, is the point I'm trying to make. Anyway, we'll see you on Tuesday. No, what, what, what? Day? what? No, we'll see, we'll see you on Monday. Unless you're a premium subscriber, then we'll see you on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. It's confusing, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Whenever we see you, keep flying that freak flag. And fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com On Facebook at Facebook.com slash Box of Oddities Podcast. On Twitter at Box of Oddities and Instagram at Box of Oddities Podcast. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. 
My name is Greg Jackson. I'm a historian, professor, and the creator of History That Doesn't Suck, a podcast that provides a complete overview of U.S. history through storytelling, yet keeps the rigor you'd expect in a university class. Starting with 22-year-old George Washington in his first battle, join me for a chronological telling of the United States' story, its unlikely revolution, fractious civil war, tenacious inventors, brave reformers, and more. With more than 100 episodes, you can already binge listen your way through the progressive era. Find History That Doesn't Suck wherever you get your podcasts.